0: to man bay which stands for michael and neil bad at everything the podcast where we share some of the ways in which we're bad at life in general and maybe some hot takes about media and uh, other things we're thinking about at the moment i'm neil and as you may have inferred from the title of the podcast with me today is my co-host michael who is a noted yogurt
1: enthusiast All day, every day, I'm a man of culture. Thank you, Neil. Thank you for having me.
0: So, Michael, as we start every episode, have you been listening to anything interesting recently, reading anything interesting recently, or watching anything interesting recently, or playing anything recently that's been Uh,
1: interesting? There's (laughs) emphasis on the interesting there. Um, I have been Um, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is... Uh, yeah it you know probably needs no introduction but the show larry david co-creator of seinfeld him just kind of living as george in la and i guess the early noughties and into the present day and it is horrible and hilarious just like the his willingness to give in to his worst instincts and still pretend that anybody would still be his
0: friend is kind of uh, yeah, it's fun it's great i love it it's great um Although one thing, one thing I heard somebody say about it once was, Larry David is being who we all want to be on the inside, and I was like, I don't think so. How do you I, feel about
1: that? I I want to be able to have interactions like that and not hate myself afterwards. I don't want to actually have those interactions, but if they were to happen, I want to be okay with myself afterwards. So his like level of self confidence is something to be admired.
0: That's of. true. His 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 confidence is definitely something to aspire to. I feel like. Often he's just a bad person, though. I think, and I think he very intentionally does this.
1: He is often technically right. I think he gives himself a moral footing. Now, it, it's not enough of a moral footing that you could say he's part of a society as he's doing these things, or like that people could actually do this. But he's like, well, he has a point, like a little bit of like at least a germ of a point.
0: Yeah, that's true. There are germs of points. It's a great show.
1: What have you been reading, watching, playing, writing, experiencing, Neil?
0: I've been reading a fantasy book called uh, Daughter of the Empire, at least the first book was called Daughter of the Empire. It's a fairly typical zero to hero fantasy book where the main character is young and thrust into a position of responsibility and authority for which they're not prepared. And then they're more clever than everyone and they break taboos. And in that way, they rise to the top. Spoilers. I mean yeah I feel like within the first 20 pages you'll you know what the ending is going to be does it do anything to distinguish
1: itself as being interesting fantasy
0: uh there's a female lead which is uh very interesting in the time because it was written in like the 80s Hmm.
1: yeah when your contemporaries are Conan I think having an actual female lead is a pretty progressive step
0: yeah and there's there's some interesting stuff about the so it takes place in a larger world that it is alluded to in this series of books. I think there's another series of books that deals with that directly, but they're like, oh, you know, everyone in the world, everyone is in a war through a different dimension through this rift, and they just sort of, you know, that's just like a throwaway comment. But in the second book, it starts being interesting because they start dealing with some of the cultures from the other worlds, uh, which is an interesting aspect. It's a fairly whitewashed treatment of multiculturals, but it's still interesting. All right, let's move into our bays. So, Michael, what? What did you want to discuss this week that you're bad at?
1: Uh, what I brought to the table is the sport, the hobby of running.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Timely. Mm. H- have you ever run, Neil? I, I wouldn't call it that, but... <laughs> uh, I always just... have a lot of guilt whenever people say like, oh, are you a runner? Like... I wouldn't say I'm a runner, I run. I don't think I could honestly call myself a runner though. I just feel like I'm not good enough to, to, to say that. I feel like my guilt has led to a lot of funny situations in that regard. So when I ran I ran a marathon in 2014, when I ran the marathon, I had a chiropractor because it was putting a lot of stress on my joints. And after I, after I ran the marathon, I pretty much stopped running completely because I had really hurt myself in the run up to the race. Like my knee was hurting really bad. I had a knee brace on during the marathon. Um, and it was like, even the later training runs, I was, it was really painful, but my chiropractor at one point asked me like, Oh, so have you been running at all? And I was like, um, to the bus stop,
1: (laughs) which was true, presumably, which
0: was true. Cause I, I was always, you know, I'm always late. So it was always late to get to the bus. And, but, I didn't, I honestly did not mean that as a joke. And she just started cracking up. And it was, <laughs> it was like, oh, that was a really dumb thing I said.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what, what was your marathon time?
0: 4.07, exactly. It's pretty good. Yeah. I, I, was, I was happy. I mean, I was aiming for under four. I was on that pace halfway through. And then my knee really hurt. Amy, Amy ran it with me. And both of our moms were there and her mom's friend. And they had taken a video of us and like at mile, like nine, we were looking great. And at mile 18, there was, I was noticeably limping and it was pretty bad. That,
1: Like you said, halfway through the marathon, things started getting bad. That I, is longer than I run in any given six month period that you had left in that
0: race. No, it's crazy. Uh, when you think about like, Oh, you're now you're running, you're running for four entire hours or, Less if you're better, but
1: it's funny that you bring up the less if you're better because I, one of the things that I'm worst at is just actual mechanics of like putting one foot in front of the other. When, when I would run in college, some impromptu foot race or whatever, I would turn around, people would just be laughing. I I ran (laughs) like, I ran like somebody who had only ever read a description of running, basically. I had somehow just totally skipped how to do that efficiently, like to actually go to a place. Um, and so that that's been very fun to iterate on that, because then it just means you get to go slightly faster for the same level of effort.
0: Yeah. So, so what have what have you found difficult about that? And or what are you striving for? I strive to
1: have a pace that I can basically maintain forever to enable me to do bigger races like a marathon or even comfortably do a half marathon and not break down. It's really hard, uh, specifically that maintenance pace is really hard because you want to be kind of, you want to get into the zone so that you don't have to think about it so that you can just cruise and uh, eat up the miles. But In order to do that, you need to spend a lot of time up front being very cognizant of how your ankle or how your knees are and how your elbows are. It's really hard to develop that good muscle memory, I guess. Do do you feel like you've always known how to run and it's more about just uh, getting your muscle stronger and your cardiovascular fitness
0: up? Absolutely not. I have horrible form. I think my form has gotten better there's a the thing with the shoes, like what shoes you wear, whether or not your shoes should correct for your imbalances or not, which is an interesting debate because if you correct for them, in some sense, you're not allowing your body to grow to, uh, to address them. Presumably thousands of years ago, we, we human beings would run all the time. It's hypothesized that human being hunting was done through running, like you would basically run down the woolly mammoth until it got too tired you just have more endurance in a woolly mammoth and then you'd be able to just walk up to it and slit its throat because it would be just exhausted be overrunning um, at that point so hopefully just by running if you ran regularly enough your body would would develop the supporting muscles and whatever so that you wouldn't need corrective inserts shoe inserts or something However, that's not really, I mean, that's not really how we live, right? You would even, even now, if you ran all the time, you probably wouldn't run as much as you would have back in the day. And also it's not necessary that you would have been able to correct for that. You might've just died like with glasses, right? If I, if I had existed 2000 years ago, I would have just died because my prescription was like negative seven. So what's to say that the same sort of rule wouldn't hold for running as well?
1: That's interesting because I mean, animals are no slouches when it comes to running. Doing a marathon in a day might not have been that crazy in terms of how long it takes to actually exhaust something
0: that's really scared. It's true, but I think four-legged animals are better at sprinting than endurance running. I think that the reason that I think that they say humans are the best long-distance runners, and I think that's because we're bipedal.
1: Have you heard about the, there's this race in Wales where every year they do mounted people doing running a marathon or doing a marathon and humans doing a marathon. It's pretty evenly matched that. at that, at that distance, I think.
0: Yeah. Sounds not like fun. Oh, I think it
1: sounds fun. Not Maybe not for the horse. He's got a backpack.
0: <laughs> Wait, I thought the human was racing the horse.
1: I think the human is racing humans on horses.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. That's true. Can't (laughs) imagine hunting down a mammoth. I guess they have to move a lot more weight, though.
1: It's true. Oh, yeah. And they're, and they overheat. So that, that is the other thing that I've discovered really recently is that body heat accumulation is my number one enemy. So it was snowing here the other day. I went out for a short shorts run and like went down, went down to my shirt and or like lost the shirt and then ran the fastest mile i've done in quite a long time it's like it just feels you go. good you're just melting it
0: Do yeah you, other animals don't sweat so
1: Well, i don't sweat either that's my problem i could never have dealt dealt with a gazelle. <laughs> it's a problem it, it, it's a serious problem i can't move in the summer i just need to stay inside
0: yeah that's fair i mean it's hot why would you leave
1: uh, do do you think you're pretty good at temperature regulation?
0: No. Um I always just right now I'm always trying to not dress too warm when I start, which I succeed at rarely. But then also means that you can't really stop because once you stop you start getting cold, which is another great motivator, right? Yeah. And that's actually that's why that was one of the things I found when I hurt my knee was that when I would stop it would cool down and that would, then it would start hurting and it'd be really hard to start again. So even if I was going slowly, I had to keep moving so that I wouldn't feel it basically. It's just what the horses think
1: right before they keel <laughs> over.
0: Yeah. It's, it's crazy that if a horse breaks its leg, you have to kill it. Is that still true? I think so. Even for like a pet horse? I think it's true because there's no way of supporting it. Um, I think that if it has three legs, it can't really stand. And then there's no way to keep it upright without it getting bed sores, basically. Um, And it can't just lie down all the time because it'll also get bed sores. It's
1: that horse laying down. Which Bed sores
0: don't sound fatal, but I'm sure it's like a cascading thing.
1: Mm -hmm. The horse looked dead. It was just like legs out. It wasn't better the next time though, so I think it's okay.
0: Did you feel the urge to beat it? I did not. Have you ever played that game where you individually control the limbs of like an android and you try and make it run? No. Because uh, that's what I feel like I look like when I try to run. Like it's just discombobulated, and you're just the challenge is just to make the stick figure go forward. <laughs>
1: I think that's a great description of what my, my standard running form is. The, the best advice I ever got, which made a huge difference, it was keep your elbows behind the plane of your body and keep the plane of your body in front of your knees. And that emphasis towards forward, forward momentum made a big difference in terms of how easy it was to just run a mile.
0: So our favorite local brewery, which is called Choosing Brews, which is a hybrid running store slash nano brewery, had an event recently, or I say recently, this is another thing I'm bad at, as I say recently, for a period of up to probably a decade. So maybe this was just maybe two years ago, they had someone in to teach, you know, running form. And the cue I found interesting was you never want to have a heel strike. You want to have a midfoot strike or a front foot strike, because otherwise you're, you are Basically, fighting your forward momentum that might have been what you said but i dozed off what you were talking
1: (laughs) no that that was not that was not at all about foot footwork and i i do tend do are you a heel striker by nature
0: i think so yeah based on my old running shoes definitely uh,
1: okay i do love that log that you build up of exactly what you do consistently on shoes
0: it's cool it's really cool and what's cool is that I used to have those shoes that would support me more on the insole so this goes back to what we were talking about before about whether or not your shoes are correct for your form I used to have shoes that have a lot of insole support and my insoles would be really worn in and now I have a neutral shoe and the tread pattern is the wear pattern is fairly neutral as well well is there anything else you want to mention about your, your running struggles uh,
1: just the. So
0: basically, I guess basically you've said what's hard for you about running is maintaining the proper form, which I feel like is two parts. One is knowing what the form is, and two, having the presence of mind to try to correct your form and maintain your form throughout a run. Do you think that's correct?
1: Yeah, I do think that is correct. The, the other thing I kind of want to mention with regards to that. I've got pretty long legs and so I think my efficiency goes up the faster I go mm-hmm. so there's this like weird trade-off with speed and efficiency which is really hard to realize as you're getting into the hobby but it seems to manifest a little bit more as time goes on.
0: That makes sense. Do you listen to music or audiobooks or something while you run podcasts?
1: Our, my friend is a triathlete and, I, and so he's training six eight hours a day usually and I asked if he ever listened to anything and his response was I listen to my heart it sounds strong
0: it's huh. a good answer
1: it's so the answer of a winner so I that's I not listen, your answer though not my answer no I, I listen. not a winner I'm not a, I am very much not a winner <laughs> <laughs> I, I I listen to audiobooks I listen to podcasts If I don't do that, then I will pretty reliably take a minute off my mile time.
0: That's interesting. I used to listen to music while I ran. And then when I was training for the marathon, I found a playlist on eight tracks, which is a now defunct website, but it's kind of like SoundCloud or a SoundCloud aggregator. But it was called Don't Think Just Run. And I listened to that same playlist every single run for, I guess, four months. And after that, every time I ran, I would listen to that exact, that one playlist. And then probably six months after our marathon, we were running a half marathon and my headphones broke during the run, halfway through the run. And I haven't listened to anything while running since. (sighs) You're so traumatized. I was traumatized at first. And then I was like, oh, this is actually really nice. And I had fallen behind Amy and I was making it was really making me mad and then I you know the headphones broke This I don't think this was correlated but then I, I caught up and I I, I won but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I was just I was just focusing on my breathing the whole time
1: I find the focusing on my breathing is a great way for a little while and then that gets exhausting and then I then I just explode
0: I burst well I, I yeah I focus on my breathing and then my mind wanders but actually some of the final proofs from my thesis I thought of while I was running
1: it is great for the the old thinker yeah.
0: but now when I listen like I've tried listening to an audio I exaggerate when I say I've never listened to anything since I have tried listening to audiobooks or things while I run but it makes me noticeably slower because I just like stop and listen
1: it makes me just want to go for a walk when I'm listening to something interesting. Yeah. But uh, I interrupted you during the takeaways. So, form, and was there a second part?
0: It was form, and well, form and focusing on form.
1: That is, that is my number one. That is my Achilles heel. Also, my Achilles heel gets hurt sometimes.
0: <laughs>
1: T- Tendonitis, you know.
0: I wonder how good Achilles was that for me.
1: Probably great. I mean, they invented the marathon, right?
0: Yeah, but he died. The person died.
1: Yeah, but it was so cool. Everybody else tried it.
0: Well, today's episode is sponsored by Goodbye Fresh. Have you ever overambitiously bought a bunch of food to cook? Hung over from an evening of browsing recipe bloggers' Instagrams? Then Goodbye Fresh is for you. Goodbye Fresh comes to your house and cans all the food you bought but didn't cook. That way, you can procrastinate using it for even longer. Use code MANBAY for 20% off your first order.
1: Hit me with your hottest take.
0: My hot take is that sales and coupons should just be illegal. They're awful. They're just very confusing. And what it amounts to is a regressive tax because it's penalizing people who don't have the time the free time to research what all sales are available and you know when things are up this is particularly true in stores like michael's or i have never been to a hobby lobby but i hear hobby lobby where they have like rotating sales on different things and it's like like in michael's it's like a 50 percent off frames one week and the next week it's 40 percent off frames but you have to know which one it is and ask for the sale and it's it just you have to just be aware of it it's really annoying bed, bath and beyond is another one where they just have a continuum of 20% off coupons, but you have to have them. They won't just credit them to you, but they're always there. And then they try and sell you a membership where it's everything is 20% off, but you have to pay an annual fee. And it's basically a fee of not keeping track of these stupid coupons all the time.
1: So I, I, I do, I, yeah. The the kernel of this that I think sales are actually not potentially not great, and probably not even great for a business. Like, there's lots of issues. Or I have many times where I go to look for a thing that I kind of want, and I, if it's not on sale, then I just won't do it. You know, if I can't feel like I'm getting myself that good deal, then I'm not actually interested in buying it. And so it's like, true. Please, places like Trader Joe's that just like there's one item and it is always this price maybe adjusted every decade for inflation
0: yeah absolutely
1: is, is a I, way nicer way to live
0: absolutely for a long time I had a point of pride where I was like I would never I never bought any piece of clothing that wasn't on sale but then I realized that it's it's dumb because they just put it on sale always they just always say it's on sale Retail price is $50, but then they say it's $80 and it's 37.5% off or whatever that is. And it's just dumb. And I think that I remember in, when I bought my last laptop, one of the, I got an, a MacBook Air back in the day. And one of the reasons I was drawn to it was it was so simple. I was like, well, there's two choices. I can get a MacBook or a MacBook Air. I don't think I really need that much power, so I'll get the MacBook Air. What size do I want? 11 or 13? Done. I mean, I got a few, there were more options. Like I wanted more hard drive space and things like that, but it wasn't, it was a pretty easy decision. It wasn't, I think that Apple has moved away from that, but I think Apple, Trader Joe's, like you said, things where you have some confidence that things are fairly priced goes a long way towards, okay, I can just buy it as opposed to, Prices are going up and down continuously. So I don't know if I'm getting a fair price or not. I don't know if I should wait, do more research or what. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, there's just that constant level of
0: stress associated with sales. It doesn't have to be this way. Other countries, like France, I think you're only allowed to have sales twice a year. There's like a week of sales twice a year. And that lets you, as a retailer, dump all the inventory that you couldn't get rid of, right? You put it on sale and get rid of it and it's done but the rest of the year you have to price things at a at a point that you believe is fair as opposed to trying to fluctuate the price between a high point and a low point or a high point and a slightly higher point and try and trap people into paying the higher price
1: i i do think there's like coupons specifically as being a way to uh, coupons being a way to drive business and increase increase awareness and get somebody excited for like their first experience with business does make sense because you know if I get like a coupon for a new pizza place I'm pretty excited to go try that out
0: but yeah but how how many new businesses do you see where they're like okay you can get 10% off if you sign up for our newsletter and you know for example, goodbye, Fresh. You get twenty percent off your first order. How many other How many other podcasts are they advertising on?
1: I think I think we got an exclusive deal. We're that big.
0: I hope so. Um, yeah. So I think it's fair that you want to try and like attract people to your business with sales, but I think it quickly becomes again a race to the bottom where those sales aren't real. You get twenty percent off for signing up for a newsletter. You also get 20% off for entering a coupon code from any one of 50 different podcasts. I mean, really, it's a way for them to trace which podcast sent you there, which is fair. I think that they should all just, all those codes should just be mandated though for simplicity.
1: (laughs) I agree. I'll send out an email to the podcasting association see if we can get that changed.
0: Yeah, we'll see we get the union on it. Mm Mm-hmm. But again, I feel like you're not really getting anything. You're just, yeah, I get that you want to drive interest, but also people are going to be excited to try something new. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this week for another episode of Man Bay. We are Michael and Neil, and we are bad at everything. We hope you've been able to empathize with us or at least experience a little bit of schadenfreude, which is the most satisfying emotion. Join us in two weeks when we hop into a special Easter edition of Man Day. I've been Michael. And I've been Neil. Don't egg
1: us on. I'm not going to rise to that one, Neil. I'm getting really cross with you.
0: Oh, rise. Got it. I was like, rise. I think you nailed it. Whatever, We can resurrect this in a later conversation.